1: This episode is brought to you by Kensington's newest title by Rebecca Weatherspoon, A Thorn in the Saddle. Set on a black-owned luxury dude ranch with a fairy tale twist, the third Cowboys of California romance from award-winning author Rebecca Weatherspoon captivates with the modern take on Beauty and the Beast, as a brawny rauncher and a brainy beauty find themselves in a beast of a predicament. Hot-headed ranch owner Jesse Pleasant always felt too big and brutish to fit in. After losing it one too many times, he accepts that he's cursed to be alone. But when a political opportunity comes knocking, Jesse thinks this could be the second chance he needs to prove he can stay cool and give back to his community. The businessman just needs social skills. Meanwhile, former tech consultant Lily Grace LaRue has had it with dudes who think they know best, like Jesse, who is set on keeping her widowed dad from dating his grandmother. But as she learns of Jesse's softer side, it becomes clear. Jesse might not be ready to run for office, but he might be ready for love? As sparks fly, they wonder if they are destined for their own happily ever after. You can find A Thorn in a Saddle by Rebecca Weatherspoon wherever books are sold. Find more at kensingtonbooks.com. Did you know that Kinda Dating Now has merch? Yep, we collaborated with tpublic.com to create t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, iPhone cases, and so much more. Picking up one of our items is a great way to support the show and grab some swag for yourself. So swing over to tpublic.com or follow the link in the description of this episode to grab yours today. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast, where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is being grateful for your past. Let's do this. Hello friends, I'm Natasha Chandel. You're listening to Kinda Dating. It's Thanksgiving, that time of the year to reflect and be grateful for what we have. But is there a way to be grateful for what we've gone through that led us here? I don't know, we're gonna find out. But hey, listen, before we start the podcast, you know what I always ask you? Tell your friends and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. Also, leave us a five star rating or review and follow us on social media. We're at kind of dating across the board. We're actually pretty good on Instagram. So if you're not following us there, what the fuck? Um, I'm also on social media. So I am at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, Natasha dot Chandell on TikTok. And I'm also on Facebook. But like, who the fuck uses meta? Anymore. Um, Aisha is also around, but she is uh not here with us because that girl's working a lot. So um, but she is at Aisha says dance across the board. All right, guys, we're gonna jump into this episode. I have a great friend here with me today. He thought I unfollowed him on social media, which I didn't, um, but I did, but like I didn't realize I did, so it happens. Anyways, we'll talk about it in a second. But he's a comedian, actor, writer, host of the After Laugh Podcast, Bill Dawes what's up?
0: Hi, how are you? Good to see you again. <laughs>
1: do you like I just put I just dropped the elephant in the room. I was like, listen,
0: well, I love it that, didn't... that now people are go. I look like a desperate guy who's like, oh, my God, <laughs> you followed me. And then I like DM you. I look like a loser. But it's fine.
1: No, but nobody knew that until now. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, no, I didn't mean to. Or if I did, like I didn't realize I did it. Sometimes I go through shit real fast and I do stuff. But yeah, you are actually a, a, a friend and, a, you know, a comedian. I wouldn't unfollow you. Um, I was also on your podcast. We had a long ass chat.
0: Yeah, I, I don't remember what it was about at this point.
1: Like our traumas and stuff.
0: I think at that point you'd just gotten past a relationship or maybe you were ending one or starting one. No, there was man. Something
1: happened. You you've had too many guests. I was in a relationship. Yeah. But we were talking about the old
0: shit. Oh, so
1: yeah, yeah. So it was a lot. It was a deep, deep conversation, guys. Just find it. Yes. on uh, it is very online. good. You're very good on it. Thank you, thank you. Um, so you know, Bill, we ask every guest the same question on this show first, which is single or in a relationship.
0: Oh, single, of course.
1: Oh, okay, okay. You're like, of course. I mean, okay. doesn't have to be. <laughs> um, well. You know, hold on one second because I realize my laptop is not charging. So before this, Uh-oh. in the middle of this, I will fix. There we go. All right, this is better. You see Yoda? Yoda's here in the back. Yeah. Um.
0: Okay.
1: There we go. Is the lighting still all right? We got this.
0: There we, we got go. it. Okay.
1: So, Bill, you know we're talking about being thankful for your past and stuff. Um, how do you sort of look back at your past, and do you think any of it, like, sort of shaped your dating life? Can like, can you pinpoint times oh. or people or situations? I'm going in fucking deep right off the top. Yeah. Fuck, fuck all the small talk. And, and you know, like pinpoint, like what affected it, like where you are, where you're at now? Like, are you single for a reason? Like, is it because you got well, shit going on? Well,
0: I, I mean, for me, I think there's a very stark red line in the sand that sort of changed my life. I don't know if that makes sense. But there there's definitely like there is a bright line in my head and in my life. Uh, you know, mentally, emotionally, everything, uh, which is when I found out I had a daughter. You know, I found out I had a daughter when she was around two years old and it was after a a one night stand. Um, A woman I had known, she was actually my manager, my talent manager. I stopped working with her and then we had like a, just a, a hate fuck kind of goodbye. And then two years later, I got the call, took the DNA test. And that was an interesting thing because, um, It's a perfect example of of, of being grateful for your past because I spent a lot of time either kind of, I I never denied her, but there was a lot in my life where I would almost try to pretend that she wasn't really a part of my life. And when I was first kind of dating, um, I was in a relationship at the time and then when I broke up, I started dating other people. I, I was embarrassed by it. I was kind of embarrassed to talk about it and there were definitely women when I told, they're like, well, I don't want to date you then. That's like, now you're damaged goods or you're whatever, you're um, whatever thing they wanted to ascribe to me having a daughter. Um, and of course, it took me some time to realize, well, that's obviously not the woman that you want to be with that. A woman who's going to judge you or not want to be with you because is isn't, isn't a woman for you. So, and then there are times in life where you're single, you're in your 20s, because I'm in my 20s, what happened? I, I just kind of thought... Well, if I'm just going to hook up with a girl, I don't need to tell her. You know what I mean? So I would find myself lying sometimes, and be like, "Yeah, now, never," you know. Um, and then I just kind of—I I don't know what that was about, you know. But that's a very good example of trying to deny your past, which isn't your past, which is your present, which is really your life. It's your heart. It's your everything. And whatever points I thought I would get by denying it to seem like I was unencumbered. It was just very worthless and obviously wasn't leading to anything sustainable. I guess there's this part of me in, in my you know, early to mid-20s I just want to seem like young and carefree and full of life and unencumbered by anything or anyone. And I thought that'd be more attractive to people. But then I look back, I realized that probably one of the m- most attractive qualities about me is that I'm a good dad. <laughs> And that I love my daughter. You know what I mean? So it's it's a very ironic sort of twist of fate and learning curve there for me. Anyway, Wow. So
1: yeah. I, I kind of thought the story for a second was going to go somewhere else because I thought you said, you said, I thought I had a daughter. So I was like, uh oh, <laughs> he like went through 10 years and then realized it wasn't his daughter. Oh, no, I've um, heard of that. Though. Which also, yeah, happened on the show. We had we had a guest. I think he's pretty open about it. Gadiel Del Orbe, do you do you know him? He's a comedian also, Mm-mm. Um, well, from New York. Um, and he, you know, he thought he had a daughter, and then found out it wasn't his. Um, but it it changed a lot of how he dated. Like, like, did that change you because you had a daughter? Do you think, like, did it make you softer because you had a daughter? Or
0: it, it's a, it, it was a, you know I had to go through therapy to kind of get my mind around really what what I was going through and what I was thinking and I talked to a lot of people I tried a lot of different tactics um th- there was times in my life where I was like I'm going to be the most dutiful father of all time and then that was me insinuating myself into the relationship with her and her mother a little bit too much which was never a good idea I never I never was with mother never had a relationship with her never um, but even trying to establish a friendship with her was pretty fraught because she was very—I um, don't know how to put this. You know how every guy's like, "Oh my, this bitch be that tripping, her. or bitch would be crazy." But she was—she's she's a very ill woman, unfortunately. Oh, so, right. um, in a way that's you know born out in very extreme measures to this day. they're they're, they're sad for my daughter because my my daughter's relationship there is very is very difficult right now because her mom lives in her car. You know, her mom's in her mid to late 50s living in her car right now. So she's not a healthy or well woman. Um, so I had to, so me insinuating myself in that situation was very tough because there were times why I wanted to go for custody and bring the legal system into it. There were times where I wanted to divorce myself from the situation and just sort of wait till my daughter was 18 or old enough to emancipate herself. Um, it was, a. it was, you know, it was 18 years of, of well, not 18, 16, because I thought she was two, of going back and forth and really trying to figure out the best way to navigate it. And I don't really look back with any, you know, you have to look back like you don't want to regret anything, was the point. I'm I'm grateful that I have my daughter. And there are probably mistakes I made. I do realize that there's no one size fit-all solution to situations like this, like. For me, it wasn't right being around all the time. Um, I was around, I acknowledged her and I told her I loved her and I was never away from her for more than you know four or five months. But um, but if I was there around all the time, it just would have set up a really, you know, I you see the situations we I'm walking around like the schools in Manhattan, you see situations of a guy back in the day, like a guy on a payphone holding his son, like. You told me to pick him up and I'm here. And I'm like, I never want to be in that situation where I'm fighting in front of a kid, like two people who just, just can't live in the same room with each other, just having all their toxicity dump on their child. I'm like, I just... Yeah. You know, I no, saw I
1: mean,
0: that.
1: that, that... You want to... Yeah, you, did you experience that sort of in your life too, like as a kid? No, my my
0: parents were, you know, classic parents of, you know, post industrial America post-World War II, were listen to the government and believe in the FDA and USDA and, and show up and work hard and liquor and cigarettes aren't that bad for you. So my dad was a repressed Republican. My mom was a repressed um, liberal. And my mom drank and my dad worked and that was kind of the deal. And it was a very sort of suburban existence that has its trauma, of, of course, but also was very sort of typical, I think, for a lot of suburban housewives who were very creative and had a lot of energy back in the 70s and 80s when they just kind of, they just had to do Tupperware parties and Beanie Babies and and drink, uh, you know, martini lunches just to stay sort of keep the ring, the toaster for the bathtub. <laughs> that's not so bad.
1: That's so, so crazy that that's like a real thing.
0: <clears throat> but it wasn't like they did, there wasn't a lot of fighting because my dad, and God bless him. I mean, he was definitely of the happy life, happy wife, persuasion. He would just kind of like just be quiet. And my mom had her emotional, my mom was very Irish, very emotional. My dad was kind of not saying anything. So they didn't really fight. It, I didn't grow up a lot of that. But when I saw it, And I experienced it as I was kind of in college and coming out of college. Um, And I would see that around. I just, it just always locked my brain like man, I never ever want to be a part of that situation. So um, it's sometimes it's better to, um, to not try to be the best parent of all time and be there and, uh, you know, make sure that you're there every day because, when I was doing that, it just, it was diminishing returns and ended up being very fraught with a lot of, a lot of stuff, you know, being around the, we, we just couldn't be around together. I mean, it turns out she couldn't really be around anyone. She couldn't be around her yeah. own family or her sister or anyone else she was related to. And now she's very much alone. It's very sad. I don't, you know, I wouldn't want that in anybody. Um, but totally. Mental illness you. is, you know, it's not personal. It's just something, sometimes people are ill.
1: It happens to people and it's very, yeah. very difficult. So um I'm sorry that that you and especially your daughter have to go through that.
0: Yeah, well particularly for things. her. And it's amazing that she's actually come out, you know, she just graduated Berkeley. So she's she's wow. um she's great. She's a great, great kid and she's um very smart. And there's something about you might cover this on like your podcast, I'm sure at some point. Sometimes when you grow up in that type of uh, difficult situation and you have a very a bipolar two mother. Uh, I think sometimes the child does really it does instill in them a sense of compassion, and empathy that most people don't get to have. Uh because she's a very sweet, sweet girl and she has a lot of empathy. She's very caring. And um I think that is some that is the weird sort of benefit sometimes of being the, the child of either an abusive or bipolar or alcoholic um, mother or father, you know, it's a weird thing that happens.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because uh, everything is in balance, right. And in moderation, like I also grew up in sort of dysfunction. And at this point, you know, my dad is a high functioning human, yet at the same time, we're literally like, I think something has been wrong with him. Like now, you know, as an adult, I can understand, I can see, and I'm like, oh, I think this person might actually have a mental illness, you know, like mental health issues. And of course that made me same as your daughter, very empathetic, very compassionate. I could understand and read people in a different way. But in relationships, uh, you know, when you become codependent then, You know, you naturally get drawn to people who bring that out of you, like people who need fixing. And uh, and so, you know, it's a fine balance. And that's where, like, I look at my past and I see that thread of, you know, the childhood dysfunction with a parent who wasn't sort of a normal dad. Like, I think dads in most homes are pretty chill and laid back. And my dad was kind of the psycho in the (laughs) family. <laughs> um and uh and and how that led to multiple relationships, especially when I was younger and lengthy ones with guys that were very oppressive in a way, you know, mm-hmm. like people who really wanted to control me. And um, and I thought that was love because that's what I grew up with. Sure. And and it was only when, and I think I talked a little bit about this on your podcast, you did. when I was in a, a, a uh, an abusive relationship that I finally went to therapy and like broke out of that pattern. It took years, but it's interesting because now coming out of it and I'm on the other side, I could talk about it very openly. It doesn't trigger anything anymore. I can look back and go, like, Wow, while I would never want to really like recreate that, I'm uh, I'm grateful for it. I'm like, oh, wow, I became a different person, not the same person for sure. And I don't know if that is like in a sense how you feel with your daughter, but I used to be so innocent and so naive. And I used to think everybody was great and perfect and and they would understand my boundaries because doesn't everybody just get it? And I had to learn New York actually taught me in a very rough way that you give people a finger, they'll take a hand. And, and I had to really learn to set boundaries with, um, with men. And then eventually, even with my family to be like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't cool. I'm going to go here. I'll be back at this time. That's a no, not doing, you know? Um, and so it it is interesting with, with that balance, like you said, of, for your daughter too, you know, I hope, um, you guys will be mindful of that for, for her if she moves forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she is um she's living with a girl right now who's very who's very sweet. <clears throat> um and I'm I'm stoked to have a lesbian daughter. Although when she she it took her a while to come out to me, which
1: why do you think that is?
0: Well, I I, I felt very bad about Are that because you- I felt like um it was there, whatever the reason, there was a reason, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, that I wasn't the first guy. And the and the way I found out was she just had a post on her Instagram of her with this girl. And it's just like the way their relationship to each other in the photo, the way there was, I was just like, oh, mm, this is more than the friendship. And so I I said, So my daughter's live. I said, Livia, what's the deal? She's like, Yeah, we're well, hanging out. I'm like, Livia, if you if you're a lesbian, I'm okay i I'm okay. I don't care like i love you i just want you to be happy she says well i'm not a lesbian dad i'm like what she goes, i'm sexually fluid i was like ugh please don't ever use to say sexually fluid to your dad i just don't want those just don't use the word
1: sexually or fluid yeah, with your dad, know, period. With <laughs>
0: just, so um but she's uh and she was i think she was with a pretty abusive girl the first relationship she would sounded like a very abusive girl who really kind of broke her heart She's with a very sweet girl who just graduated Berkeley with her and they're living together. And um, I don't know how much she, but I asked her, I said, why did it take you so long? Like, do I come off as some sort of like troglodyte caveman that we are? no daughter of mine. Like, what did I, is that what you thought? I don't think she thought that maybe she, I think there was a part of her that thought I'd be disappointed, you know, to the contrary. I just, and how awful men are, particularly in their twenties before they've developed, before their brains have fused, they've developed any sense of empathy it's just a tough, I mean, I, I've always said, I was, I was a pretty like nice sensitive guy, but even I look back at my college years, early twenties, I was completely without any sense of responsibility for the other people I was with. You know what I mean, I just thought you go out and have fun and who cares? And we're all adults and blah, blah, blah. But the truth is anytime you sleep with someone, anytime you are intimate with someone, you have a certain responsibility to that person, which is something I, believe now and i didn't even think about that before but like, why do i need to take responsibility for some stranger i met at a bar so sort of back to your point like with my daughter right at the time that i had my daughter and i found out about my daughter and my acting career i was i was um waiting for an offer for the role of lex luther in Smallville. right
1: i was mm. waiting for
0: the offer the offers coming bill wow. we're getting day. we're just working on the deal Hour past two hours, three hours. Where is my fucking offer? And uh, it didn't come through at the very last second. Michael Rosenbaum, who was originally offered the role, had turned it down. He came back into the picture, and I'm doing the role really well. He's a great guy, great actor, great comic too. Um. So I so that part went away right when I found out I had my daughter. Like right around the same time, within like months of each other. So um, what's interesting about that is I think what if would have, whatever do over. I had gotten that part of Lex Luthor and didn't have my daughter. I would be 23, 24, 24, whatever twenty three, in Vancouver, Canada, growing poor, white trash, never having money, making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Who knows what trouble? Because I I had no empathy for anyone else at that point. I mean, I wasn't a sociopath, but I just didn't. I just was like good time Charlie. I didn't care. And I, I thought that like, I wasn't like part of the game and I wasn't a player, but I just didn't. It was just fun. It was just fun. Sex was fun and threesomes were fun and going out and blah, blah, blah. Who gives a shit? Who knows? Maybe I'd be have three kids. Maybe, maybe I'd be married to someone who ended up destroying my life. You know what I mean? So you kind of have to always look back and these things say, there's something guiding you in the direction that you're in. And that force, whatever the force is, is positive, you know? It's the force.
1: I really, go ahead.
0: It's just a force looking out for you. I, I do believe that, you know?
1: It's the Jedi force. I mean, Star yeah. Wars all real. <laughs> um, no, I, I actually, I love the way you put that because it really is true sometimes I think about the same thing in both work and love. I, you know, of course, like every kid or every performer, you're always like, I want to be the first to do this. I want to be the, especially as like an Indian girl, you know, I fought my family to do what I'm doing and was always like, I want to achieve this by this age. Nothing ever fucking happened at the age I wanted, but it eventually all of it happened. It just didn't happen at the age that I thought it would. And I remember at the, like, when I was younger, thinking, like, oh, it's fucked up. Like, it doesn't really work out. And then I realized as I looked back, I was like, I don't think I was mentally ready, especially again, consider the girl that let this random guy take complete advantage of her, you know, this abusive relationship so quickly. I was like, my God, I had to get to where I am now to survive Hollywood, you know, to survive the amounts of people that are constantly pushing you around mm-hmm. in our business let alone love mm-hmm. and same kind of thing in in relationships you know i got shit on a lot by my friends um especially like in the indian community because the the sort of uh you know societal pressure is like well you get in a relationship and you get married and you have kids and that's your thing and i was never sort of like that i didn't believe in marriage. I didn't particularly want kids. I was very like, hey, I want to go chase my dreams and I'll see if the rest happens and very contently. And my girlfriend, for example, she got married young and that's all she wanted. She was like, I want to get married by this time. I want to have two kids by this time. She did it. Now, fast forward. She's the one who's kind of Cheating or has cheated on her partner. Yeah. Is definitely unhappy. Definitely spends a lot of time away from her kids and and tells me privately that it's like, you know, she'll get super drunk, super fucking wasted, <laughs> and just be like, don't fucking have kids. Don't <laughs> don't fucking do this, you know? And I'm like, girl, I, I did me. I I honored what I really, really wanted, not yeah. what everybody wanted for me. So I feel okay about it. Um and, you know, I'm in a healthy relationship where I'm like every day choosing to be with somebody and enjoying it yep. versus being like, oh, I had to tick this thing off because of this clock. Um, so it's interesting because I did get shit on for so long. <laughs> um, and now I look back and I'm like, I think I did OK. I yeah. think I did the well, right uh, thing for me. I mean,
0: that's all the people who give you shit for for being single. I'm always like, wait five years, wait 10 years, come back to me. Because I have, you know, my my best friend, he was dating a, a girl. She's very beautiful, very put together, very type A. Uh, he's very kind of like, oh, he's like an artist. He's sort of lazy. Um, she was like, look, we're going, he was also a trust fund kid. So he had a lot of money and she knew that. But she was like, look, if we're going to be together, we need to, Move in by this day, marry by this day, have a kid by this day. I want to have two kids. By the time I'm 35, blah, blah, blah. And she, like that, she got it all done, everything she wanted. And he was miserable, you know? So after being miserable, he started drinking a lot. He ended up ODing from pills and and booze. He almost died. He was saved. And then when he got out of it, he he went to rehab and did all the classes. He realized, wow, I was just really trying to get out of the situation. You know, so he filed for divorce. She still wanted him back. And she did not have the tools to understand how the world that she constructed in her head and this this game plan that she'd had for so long was being completely collapsed. Like it couldn't, didn't compute. And, and that's, that's the thing. You gotta, you gotta get in your head. The people who walk around talking about, oh, I could have been, or I should have been. It's nobody wants to be around that person. There's a, my my friend, fellow Indian, Sean Joshi, loved bet. He's like, I could have been a golden gloves box. Stop, stop, stop. Who cares? No one cares. Who cares? I could have been Lex Luther. Who cares? I didn't. It, it didn't happen. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe that would have been the worst thing. The truth is you never know. And there's no point in pretending or or, or, or fantasy. I mean, it's fine to fantasize about a do-over at once file or fantasizing you have the 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 Biff sports book from Back to the Future. But at the same time. You're in your life, you're in your skin as it is right now, and you have to love it. And the only way that you can love it is look back at your past and go, and like at least even the shittiest moments, just laugh at, it. just try to have some joy. Oof, I did that. <laughs> Yikes, you know, because otherwise, oh, be like, like what a miserable life that would be of just regression.
1: Totally. And time, I think it, time plays a big factor in that, right? Like time heals a bit. Uh, I think when we're in the moment, it's definitely hard to look at it and laugh. Yeah. Um, But once you separate yourself from the situation a little bit, it's one of the reasons, you know, therapists always tell you, especially if you have a breakup, like, don't talk for a while. Because the second you're in it, you just, it's too many raw emotions. But when you take a break from it, you look back and you're like, what the fuck? Like, that happened? That was insane. I have a whole bit in my stand-up about getting cheated on by my ex with grandmas, which is a completely true story. And multiple grandmas, grandmas, like he had like profiles on dating sites were like 55 plus. And, and it was like, you know, I don't care what anybody does outside of a relationship with me, (laughs) but um, you are, you know, he was in a relationship, but in the moment it was like, I couldn't, you know, I, I was fucking devastated. Now I think it it's totally, it
0: like Yeah, personally. of course. It Of
1: course. And then now I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. I'm like, I can't make this up, guys. I'm like, do you want to see the screenshots of his profile or, or the fucking receipt <laughs> I mean, he left uh, for a $50 pack of condoms? I'm like, this is great. Now, now I'm thankful that I go on stage and I have this, yeah, completely yeah. unique story that nobody could tell.
0: How did you find out?
1: He left an email open that I didn't see. I was like, "What's this email?" I was like, "I've never recognized this." And uh, and and then there were you know two two uh, consistent like whatever send like messages coming up. One was Click Cougar USA, which I thought was I was like, "Yeah, okay, whatever," you know, a cougar thing. And then the second one was Stitch. And I was like, "What Stitch? And then I clicked it and it's like 55 plus dating site. And he had written a whole profile and he posted a fucking picture I took of him. I was like, this is insane. Um, And, you know, it's just one of those, like, I'm like, what? what? I'm not going to get mad at grandmas. Like, fucking if you had to put two people on a cliff and be like, who would survive? Tasha or grandma? I'd be like, throw me off. Like, grandmas are the best. Like, so I wasn't like I was mad at them. It was just. Of uh, just like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, more like, I'm in a relationship and we're living together, you fuck. Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't have mattered if it was a grandma or a, mm-hmm. a, a fucking 20 year old, but it was just like. It becomes
0: funnier in retrospect that it was grandmas. Yeah.
1: I mean, now I'm just like, it's this. I'm like, that's why you came to my mom with flowers that time I was out of town. <laughs> it's like, I see what you were doing. Um, let me ask you something. You know, there are people that have hurt us. There's somebody that has hurt all of us. Do we have to hate the people that hurt us?
0: Uh, of course not. That's... What's the famous, uh, there's a famous expression about hating someone? Hating someone is like, um, like drinking a poison drink and then waiting for the other person to die. Oh and, and okay, yeah. It's, I feel yeah. With it, it's like poisoning your own drink and then waiting for the other person to die. It, mm-hmm. it, it it doesn't serve you. I mean, I've always thought that the the side of an enlightened person or close to an enlightened person, and I'm far from this, is if or a good goal in your life is to walk into a room, say an arena, you have all the people from your life, past, present, that are still around, whatever, they haven't died and they're there, and you're not running away from any of them, Mm -hmm. there's not one person in that room that you you. oh my God, I can't believe this person's, oh my God, I can't fucking, And, and just pay attention to the people who are like that, who are like, oh my God, I can't go to this neighborhood, or I can't, like, that's a problem, that's a red flag. If there are people who, I mean, I don't really talk to a lot of my exes, but like, at the same time, I don't hate them. I don't, I don't have a problem with any of them. If anyone wanted to call me, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I, I, every once in a while they do, you know, I I reached out. An ex called me like a few months ago saying, Oh, I I haven't haven't heard from for years. She's like, I have this relationship issue. Do you have advice? And so, or just like random Christmas things or whatever, um, birthday messages. But I
1: Did you actually give her good advice or were you giving her shitty ex advice?
0: No, I was giving her good advice. I want her to be happy. I think you always kind of want your ex to be happy. I, I I understand the need for revenge. And I understand. But the one thing I found that when people who who've been awful to you and, and or shitty and you have that, like, I hope they fucking hope their next thing is when that does happen, when you see your sort of weird machination in your head of revenge work out in their life and uh they are not happy like you find out from a friend or from them that they're not happy and they're so hung up on you it never feels as good as you it doesn't feel good it's not like ha 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 I win it just feels like I used to love this person and now they're sad and we're not together and we're not going to work out but I don't want her to be sad like there's maybe a, a little bit of, you know if I were to see her on social media like with a hot dude and rich. I don't know. I I guess I just wouldn't feel, I wouldn't feel jealous. I'd just feel like good for her. I, I know that sounds very trite, maybe disingenuous, <laughs> but it's true. Like, I just think that like, if you're with someone and you've loved them and you've been intimate, like you always love them. You always love them if you love them. I mean, you might love them from a different state or country for the rest of your life and never want to be in the same room with them and physically touch them, but you always should love them. I mean, I know my, one of my exes, I'd heard she'd, after we break up, she she wanted to be a big actress in Hollywood and she ended up getting pregnant, got an abortion and moved to Canada. And I remember my friend told me that, like thinking it was gonna give me all this joy. And I was just like, it just made me sad. Like I didn't, you know?
1: It's interesting that people do that. I've had friends also hit me up and be like, here's some terrible news about your ex. And I'm like, I I actually don't wish anybody ill. And I, I, again, I've been somebody who's been cheated on more than once. And I've always been like, you know what? It sucked at the time, but thanks for setting me free. And to like, whatever you're looking for, I hope you find it. Funny enough, whenever I've sort of been really fine and chill about it, uh, They've all come back and been like, you were the one. And here's here's where I think the differentiation happened. This is what I learned. So I had a monk once. Uh, she moved back to Malaysia. I know it sounds crazy, but I used to go to this Buddhist temple and I had a monk. And, you know, I was kind of coming out of the the, the guy who cheated on me with grandmas. And I was really fucked up. And I was just like, what the fuck? And, and how do I how do I move on and let go? And I asked her this question, which I maybe seems like a very easy answer to everybody, but it wasn't to me. Who's very empathetic and you know, all that stuff, which is everybody always says to forgive and forget. Right. And so I was like, how do I, like, if I forgive this person, does that mean I have to like be their friend? Like if I forget, does that mean like I have to like be buddy-buddy with these people who are constantly reaching out to me to like rope me back in? Like I don't want that. And she was like, oh, no, 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 absolutely not. Like the idea is you forgive and like kind of what you said, don't drink the poison. (laughs) And, And then you can still set boundaries with them, but then it comes from sort of a more secure place, a place of love for yourself. And, and I noticed a big shift when I did that. One of my exes who I was with for two and a half years, who, who we had a long distance relationship. So when he cheated, okay, like it, it maybe, you know, made some sense. Um, it didn't make sense completely. Cause I had 10 times more opportunity yeah. to cheat and I didn't, um, but whatever he, he married her. Then he came back, Uh, they got divorced because she cheated on him, which I thought was hilarious. And then came back to me and was like, you know, I always fucked up and you were the one. And and I had to be like, look, man, I've let this go for a long time. I've wished you guys well. I'm sorry this didn't work out. I have no ill feeling. I can hang out with this person. Like when I used to go to India, I used to hang out with the person. It doesn't bug me at all. But I don't believe... That we are a fit anymore, and i don't I don't believe that that person even deserves me anymore, but it doesn't come out of a place of like anger It's just like, yeah, no, I'm good like I'm not repeating the same pattern, but I forgive you yeah, and thanks for teaching me some good shit
0: was he was he cool when you rejected him when he came back was he cool?
1: yeah, I think he he was cool he tried he he did really try um and uh you know he we had we have a lot of mutual friends and everybody was like, he loves you. And I was like, that's great. Um, but it's like what I said, I can forgive this person, but I really can't forget what happened. And, and uh, that's just something that person has to live with. Like, yeah, you know, sometimes it doesn't fucking work out. I want to ask you another question about closure. Mm. You know, everybody thinks like to move on, you need to have closure. Oh, I can speak. What you? have you sort of learned about closure when it comes to?
0: I mean, I, I agree. Your past. But closure is something that you define yourself. You can have closure on your own. I mean, the idea that you need clo- you need the other person to give you closure is just a, it's just fictitious. It doesn't mean anything. It's like the idea of disrespect. That person disrespected you. Well, did he? Did he disrespect you? And what does that mean? You felt disrespected. Is that the same? If you feel offended, does that mean that you were offended, or you feel offended? This is like a completely subjective thing, right? So closure, just like that, is incredibly subjective. If you've, if you've, if you need to do something ritualistic or whatever it is, uh, verbal or physical, to cement the end of relationship for you that makes you feel better and helps your mind move on in a different way, then fine. But I do think that the idea of having closure with someone else is usually, it's usually a veiled attempt to kind of get some response or something from the other person that you want to validate your ego or soothe your ego in some way. It's not an actual thing. So I don't really buy the idea of closure. I don't, I think it's kind of, um, I don't know how it became such an important thing for people to feel that they need. It doesn't mean like just go someone and run away. you know, escapes in Nepal, but it, but I also think that if you could do your best in relationship, and if it doesn't work out, you don't need to then sit and have coffee and do a post game, you know, Monday morning quarterback situation about the whole situation. You know what I mean? You can be like, I'm happy with if it's done. You've already broken up. You can be like, sweet text, like message, be cool. I think blocking and deleting, blocking. I think that can be closure for a while. You know what I mean? I don't think it's I I. It's about your own personal, if you feel like you need some closure, you can look, you can find that within yourself, I think is my point. And a lot of people think they need the other person to get it. And that's just because the truth is, in your lifetime, there are going to be people who die and you're going to have incomplete relationships with them. And how are you going to find closure to them? You know what I mean? You have to find it within yourself. So that's life.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Thank you for saying that, because. I think a lot of people do get hung up on, like, I can't move on. I can't be thankful for my past because I haven't sorted it out in a way, you know, with closure. But the truth is, like, I don't know what you find. Does anybody ever feel satisfied with the answer that they get? Like, you could ask somebody, hey, why did this end? They'll go, well, you know, because it was that time, like, like I just don't feel like we, uh, you, you do this thing when you sleep at night and blah, blah, blah. They'll say a million things and you're just going to defend and you're just going to be like, no, that's not how it happened. This happened. And then they're going to say something else. It just literally becomes another four hour conversation where the other person is not going to change their mind. Yeah. And it's not going to lead to anything except you just feeling probably shittier and them feeling shittier. The point is the action was taken. The action by one person was I want to break up because this wasn't fulfilling me in whatever way I need mm-hmm. and that's it like we're always looking for words to validate us and like you said our ego but we should really just be looking at somebody's actions like
0: yeah I think that also comes with age because I think there's particularly in your 20s when you have you're still trying to find out who you are and trying to find out what you want and who you want I think that um the idea of closure Maybe sometimes people do need to hear like, hey, here's something about you that you should know moving forward. (laughs) And if you're actually able to hear that from someone that you've been boning, whatever, like good on you, I think most people aren't going to be able to 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 really take that from someone like life coaching. But but I think when you get older, you, you kind of don't do know who you are and what you want and what you don't want. So, what's the point of having closure? It's just like it didn't even if there's something that you really liked and they ended it. Um, you just have to respect that they know what they want and what they don't want, and we spend so much time in life just taking everything personally when it really isn't I mean nothing it, it, like we literally cannot get our, wrap our heads around the fact that getting dumped is not personal, but it never is personal. It is about that person's own journey and what they want and
1: Oh my God, you are so right. I'll say even even getting cheated on with grandmas That's taught me that. It taught me that for a second I took it personally until I realized I think this is this person's like whatever they're going through that they needed that had nothing to do with me. No, so I wasn't gonna like internalize it and be like grandmas are my competition. Fuck grandmas. I was like <laughs> I was literally like I think this person has some stuff that they need yeah. to deal with.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned in life and in relationships. And if I could impart any wisdom to people, and obviously you can't just think this into existence. You can't just repeat it like a mantra and make it actually real. But once you realize that literally nothing is about you regarding other people, everything they do is from their own solipsistic, <laughs> me-centered universe that they are operating from. That means that they reject you, they don't want you, but that is their, that's, it's not personal. It's not about you. The truth is I've had sex with women who would probably say that like, I'm not good in bed, right? (sighs) I mean, good luck finding them. But the point is, I'm sure they exist somewhere in my life, you know, and there's a point where probably that would really mean a lot to me. And then you, then you know what you, who you are, what you like, and if you're okay, I'm just not compatible with them. They want this and that's not my thing. There is-
1: oh, my God. So, yeah, yeah you're so right. Uh, it's something we've said a lot on the podcast where I'm like, it's, you know, relationships in life is sort of like a jigsaw puzzle. It's not that any one piece is right or wrong or good or bad. It's just not a fit. Yeah. So it's not like when you look at a jigsaw puzzle and that piece doesn't fit. You're like, fuck this piece, you piece <laughs> of shit. You're just like, no, let me find the yeah. other piece. Like you're just moving on. It's not a. It's like you said; it's not personal, and I think yeah. ghosting is a big thing that's bringing that out of to, from people. They're always like, "Oh my god, why did this person ghosted me?" I'm like, "Who cares? It's not. Pers- yeah. nothing about you. It's just that person's a fucking dick, and they're going through their yeah. shit. And let them go through it. Yeah, it's not right for you. Ghost,
0: if someone's gonna ghost you, and they're not dead, then they just have they're they're of low integrity. Do you are you dying to be with someone of low integrity? Is that what you Exactly. Because no one is ghosting people who is high integrity and not living a duplicitous life. Like there's something. And and, and I'm saying this as someone who's ghosted people. And when I, when I have in my past ghosted people, it's because I'm not in full integrity. So that, that should be the love of your life. Isn't ghosting you. You know what I mean? Yes. The love of your life isn't just disappearing without a word, not saying anything when that, when that's happened to me. I mean, yeah, it does suck. And, of course, your initial instinct is to be all ego oriented, take it personally, but you got to realize, like everyone has a lot of shit going on, way more. And when you always think it's about you, and it never is, you know
1: And people have a hard time talking about their stuff anyways. like we're mostly avoidant personality type. So yep. you know, we can't take it personally. You know, you said something uh, earlier. again, the idea of like you look back and and how you see things differently now, right? yeah, you had this one night stand, but it led to your daughter um and so, why is it important for us to reframe the past for ourselves? Can you say because that's kind of what it is, right? like why is it important for us to to change the way that we think about the past, because that's really what you did, in a sense, right? Yeah. A lot of people could have taken it as like, "Oh, fuck this." You were like, "Oh wow, this situation was, you know, led to my daughter, and it, it could have gone real, it could have yeah. gone south for you if you didn't have that switch in your mind."
0: I mean, um, and the truth is, like, you know, the the years of, of- Knowing her and raising her with the mother, you know, until she was 18, it was incredibly challenging. And it was it was a lot. It was a lot. You know, people around me and my parents included were like, man, I'm sorry you go through this. But at the same time, like, you know, I'm I'm not like a deeply religious person, but I do believe that there is like a a force, an organizing and creative force. And I do believe that you're not going to be given stuff that you can't handle, you know, and I'm given stuff intense shit in my life. I think it's because I can't handle it. And I, cause I, I, I can, I can protect people through it. I think that I will end up being a good dad to my daughter. I'm still a good dad to my daughter and I will be until the day I die, hopefully. And I think that like, it's a lot particularly when you don't have, you ain't made of grain, but, um, I, I guess, so in terms of your question, I don't want to go to a top topic. This is your life. This is your one life. As far as you know, Maybe there's tons more, who knows? But right now, this is your life. And um, you have a choice to be happy or to fucking be miserable. And if you want to make the choice to be happy, which is the best choice, obviously, I think everyone can agree to that, then that means looking at your past with some sort of um, whimsy over regret or just um, wonder over anger or whatever resentment. and just go, do you like where you're at now? And then if you don't like where you're at now, usually there's things that you can do in a very practical, pragmatic sense to address it. If you're too heavy, we'll fucking work out, bitch, go to the gym, do that. If you don't like the way you sound, you, there's all these things that you can do to actually work to create yourself to become a better person. So I think that if you let the past weigh you down, that's where you're going to be sitting at a bar, drinking bourbon, in Reno talking about how I could have been a Golden Gloves boxer. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not a way forward. It's not a way forward in your life, in your career, in your relationship. So I think the way you reframe that is everything that happened. I mean, I know it's really trying to say everything happened for a reason. But it happened for a reason because it happened. That's all you need to know. Was there a reason for it? Yeah, there was, the reason was it happened. So it existed. Nothing would exist without a reason. So that's all you have to know. You don't have to get you have to overthink it too much. So if that's the case, and here you are, and you were here for a reason on the planet. Then everything else behind you is for that too. So you can always move forward with like optimism and hope and some thought to creating a better version of yourself and creating a better world. Like, oh God, I know it sounds so freaking trite, but I really feel that way. I really feel that every day you can you can wake up and and move forward free. You know what I mean? I, w- I did. I. W- I'll just say this last thing. Just, uh, I went to this one group therapy thing. I'm not going to name the program I went to, but there was a woman who was sold into sex slavery when she was 16. I think from ages like 16 to 19, she was like, a, she was trafficked, or maybe 15 to 18. And she, um, and she was literally in cages at some point. And she was in this group therapy. And I think she was now like 75 years old or something, almost 80. And by the end of the weekend, she was like, you know, from 16 to 19, I was in a cage. And from 19 to 70, I put myself in a cage and I never needed to do that. You know, I mean, there's a book called Man's Search for Meaning, which is, you know, concentration camp survivors who went back and forgave their Nazi, you know, guards. And I think that if if that can happen, if you can survive a concentration camp and go back and meet your guards and say, I forgive you, then we can all fucking be a little bit better. We can all be more grateful because I think that forgiveness and gratitude go hand in hand, obviously.
1: I mean, you said that so beautifully. I don't feel like I could or should add anything to it. Uh, You are completely right. Um, So, you know, let's as we wrap this episode out, I want to know, like, what are some of the, what are some tips, you know, that we can give people for looking back and how, how can they become thankful for their past? Um what? you know, obviously one thing we already discussed was like forgive you don't have to forget but like you can still forgive. Um you mentioned about things happen for a reason and to you know, maybe focus on the things that you've yeah. learned. I, th- I think um, I th- and I th- how I th- you've grown?
0: I'm not I'm not like an AA person, but I think like making amends is always great if you can if you can make amends to people in your life where it's not going to hurt them and and amends doesn't have to be like i'm so sorry but just sort of like hey i just want to tell you like you're an amazing you're an amazing person and i wasn't right at this time i didn't treat you the way you should have like and i hope and i apologize i mean i've had i don't know if you ever had someone make an amends to you through like aa or a program like that it's, it's happened to me a couple of times. And I remember the first time it happened, it was this girl uh, from college who, you know, I went to college. I was like a, I was like a bright dancer in high school. I was like, <laughs> I went to like a probably rough public school and then I went to Princeton. So I was like, when I got to Princeton, I was wearing like triple soul And I was like, I kind of had this like weird patois like white trash and like urban black. Um, and I was a dancer. And this girl was like this girl from, Manhattan rich Manhattan girls. Like, oh, you're she called me a wigger for, for some oh part. Wow. And she, you know, you and you just want to be a bubble you want to be black, white, white dress like this. And she's kind of attacked t- me And I just remember like it it, it it like hurt me, but it was fucked up. I was like, this is who I am. Like, what are we talking about? And she's like, I'm from New York and blah 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 blah, blah. I mean, it was private school. But so that was it. That was like maybe my sophomore year in college. And then 10 years later. She came up to me after a play. She said, those letters has been burning all my And she wrote this letter apologizing that how she treated me. And it was really small, but I think in some weird way, like some little weight that I had kept with me all that time, that one night in that club, that one drunken night had been lifted. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not like, I don't hang out with this girl. We're not like best friends, but like, if I were to see her, I'd see her with a very light heart. You know, so I think there are probably people in our lives that we can all make an amends to, and people that we're probably with right now, or we have relationships now that we can make amends to, and go, so, "Wow, you know, I've been kind of shitty to you." And I think that's always forgiving yourself, um, apologizing, never, never underestimate the power of those things. You know,
1: that's a big one to forgive yourself, also, because we always think it's about other people, and I know. There's a lot of people listening who feel like they've been, you know, the quote unquote victim in the situation Um, and are mad at, at others, but are sort of secretly mad at themselves that they got themselves in that situation. So you just got to go like, hey, I did the best I knew how at the time. Um, But I've had both experiences, you know, and making amends. Uh, I went through some years where I talk about I was a big commitment phobe, but I don't, you know guys called me, I remember one guy called me Tin Man cause he said that I would just had no heart. Other people used to call me literally a heartless bitch. People called me like stone cold. I was like, okay, got it. Um, but I, uh, years later, once I came to LA called all of them and, uh, and just apologized and said, hey, listen, like I wasn't in a good place. Um, and, and you know, you guys, you were really nice to me. And I'm sorry that I couldn't, you know, sort of meet you there. I just wanted you to know that it didn't have to do with you. It had to do with me just kind of being fucked up at the time. And it was, it was really sweet. Everybody was very kind about it. They were like, thank you for saying that. And, um, you know, I didn't go on to like have some great friendship with any of them. They were just like, thanks. And, yeah. and we didn't think that you were a shitty person. We just knew you were going through something and and wouldn't let us help. And, And then conversely, recently, I had my dad, you know, the one who kind of messed me up, um, sit me down last Christmas and cried out of his mind and just was like, I just want you to tell me all the things I did that made you feel like you're fucked up. Like, you don't want to get married. You don't want, want these things that I've wanted for you. And like, your brother says, I did it. So I want to know what I did. And he doesn't know that I've already put in the years of work where I forgave him long time ago. Yeah. So I came to a point where I was like, do I sit with my 73-year-old dad and and tell him all the things that made, you know, fucked me up because of what he did? I was like, yeah. no. So I picked and choose relatively manageable things, you know, as options. And he cried and he apologized. And and I was like, you don't have to, but thank you. Cause like I already came to my own peace with it and with you a long time ago. So it helps. And it was a very, like you said, there was that feeling of like, oh, I lifted this burden. Like this person literally was just doing the best he knew how at the time. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't that great. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's all he had the capacity to do. Um, and when you kind of put that in perspective, you just look back and you go like, Right? How can you how can you hate people when they just don't know better?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Like think about all the parents in the '70s and '80s that were just like trying, trying, and they just come off. You look back and they just look like assholes, you know. But that's totally that's their definition of trying. We look at yeah for now very sensitive and much more like emotionally evolved and open. Like how could a parent actually do that? But like, at the time you know, beating a kid to do what they wanted was for their best interests in your head, you know, in their head. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, you're so right. Well, Bill, this was uh, an, an amazingly fun, deep episode. Uh, we got super real. Yeah. Um, you're sticking around for another one. That's just going to be a completely different tone. Um, so you guys are going to want to hear him back. Uh, but you're not completely done. Okay. So uh, we ask every guest the same six questions. Mm. So are you ready for your six questions? Yes. It's kind of rapid fire. Don't think about it. Just tell me whatever you think, you know. All right. So Bill, here are your six questions. Uh, What is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Eyes. Nice. Uh, What is one deal breaker?
0: Uh, Cocaine. That's
1: a good one. That's a good one. Um, (laughs) What turns you on?
0: Cocaine. No, I'm just kidding. Um, humor and intelligence. Can they go hand in hand? Yeah.
1: Uh, what are one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships?
0: I think I'm, 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 I think that I am very, I'm able to handle a lot and I think I can listen and I can, I can entertain a conflicting point of view pretty easily. um, I think my weakness is that I can, uh, I do have a little bit of an Irish temper at times. Never physical, but sometimes, uh, and I think sometimes I can. The flip side of that is I can just shut down completely. You know, because we I, all have something. Let me leave. Yeah,
1: I got a fiery side. Yeah. Uh, what is love?
0: <laughs> um. There's a movie called Fandango with Kevin Costner. He asks his friend, goes, You ever been in love? And he goes, I think so. I goes, well, that's all love is really it's just thoughts. And I've always I've pondered that a long time. Like if you think you're in love with someone, are you in love with them? I think that ultimately what love is, is just um, wanting, like truly wanting the best for someone, uh, no matter what. And having them in your heart in a way that you you want that for them, I think that a lot. Some tweets something very funny the other day, saying, um, uh, "How come every girl? How come every girl girl on Instagram, or how come every girl in general, says their exes were fucking garbage, trash, but their boy, but their new boyfriend's the best. But all of their exes are fucking ugh, just the worst. But their new boyfriend is fucking amazing, like." That there's something there.
1: <laughs> yep. That's a very, very good point. Yeah. Uh so Bill, besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you?
0: Um, I'm a billionaire.
1: <laughs> you a sugar, dinner? mama.
0: I got dinner. Just once.
1: Just once. For- I like it.
0: Yeah. Once. That's it. A- both
1: are very good. I do I, like the I'm a billionaire. I've never heard that one. That's awesome.
0: I got rent. That'd be a good one.
1: <laughs> great choices. Great choices. Uh, well, Bill, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
0: Uh, thank you for having me. It's really good to see you again.
1: You too. Well, you're sticking around, but uh, guys, uh, tell everybody how they, how they can find you.
0: I'm just at Bill Dawes on Instagram. It's probably the best way. B i b i l l d a w e s. I think I might make a link tree in there for
1: a bottom you should i mean that's very uh, easy it's, it's like kind of the thing everybody's doing yeah so you should
0: okay
1: uh guys make sure you follow bill and follow us we're at kind of dating across the board i'm at natasha chandel on instagram natasha dot on tiktok natasha underscore chandel on twitter thanks so much for downloading this episode if you could please tell a friend and review this podcast wherever you get it we'd be so grateful also, send us your dating stories and thoughts to kinda of dating at gmail.com. Finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kinda Dating is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Kinda Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandel. Aisha Holden is my co host. Adam Pineless and Karina Uribe are producers. Our opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yannick and K. Daniel Ellis.